grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's kind of the season, isn't it? It's kind of the season to put our heads down and and power through. Because more than likely in our lives, the shifting of calendars and the shifting of schedules and the shifting of routines means we got to kind of toughen up. we got to kind of put our head down and get after it a little bit. Be strong. Family demands we fight through it. The world is insane. Well, put your head down and tough it out a little bit. Go, go, go. I can make it happen. I can make it work. I'm tough. I'm sufficient. I'm the man. Until I'm not. And then when we realize we can't do it all or be it all, we're not so strong, most certainly we begin to realize that the edges of our lives, that we're not sufficient in and of ourselves for every moment and every person's every need, it's then in realizing our weakness that we have moments of reflection that clarify who we are and what we're all about, our place in God's world, and moments of understanding that it's okay to not be perfect, it's okay to not have all the strength in the world, and that our sufficiency is found in Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord from our Old Testament today comes from Lamentations chapter 3, these words, verses 22, 23, and 24. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on Him. We are not consumed. We are not eaten up. You are not a Pac-Man being chased by little pink ghosts hoping that somehow you'll, you'll outrun it and you won't get eaten as you're trying to eat the little dots and directions of your life. It's hard to get to the end of the line. It's hard to get to the end of yourself. It's, it's hard to run out of energy. Jeremiah was speaking to a people who were in a world of hurt. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because every time he opened his mouth, he he had something painful to say. And the people of Israel were kind of at the end of their rope. They had a great history. They called themselves the, the people of God, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had been chosen by God through Abraham. Abraham said, you will have descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that was their God, and David was their king, and their history was fabulous, all focusing on that covenant promise when God said, I will be your God, and you will be my people, but boy, did it go downhill in a hurry. In the context in this, they were a second-rate military power, maybe third-rate, was a far cry from David's leadership. Politically, their country was split, Israel and Judah. Things united under a monarchy now beginning to divide out. The enemies were at the gate, and they were in deep trouble. The brightest and best of them would be taken off into exile into Babylon, and the women and the children would be left to kind of fend for themselves in a war zone. 
the walls would come down that they had put great pride and sufficiency in, and the temple would be destroyed. And they learned through pain that they were in no way sufficient in and of themselves. And yet Jeremiah says those words, great is your faithfulness. You've been there. I know you have. I've been with you in some of those moments where you put your hands up and you said, I, I, I don't have the answer. I, I don't have any more strength. I thought I had this all figured out. And then as this situation in my life began to unwind, it was then that I understood that I couldn't handle this myself. We run hot until we crash. And something reminds us or someone reminds us that we are not infallible, that we are not perfect, that we need something bigger than ourselves to find the power and the strength to get through the situations of life in which we find ourselves. You've been there. I've been there. Were we to pass the microphone around this morning, everyone could say, I remember the moment the first time where I knew I needed something bigger. Those who love money find out that money is not enough. Those who think they are drinking eternally from the fountain of youth, they realize that's a myth. Those who love knowledge and love to be smart and love to have the right answer realize that that's not enough as well. For me, as your pastor, it's work and energy. Love to have boundless energy. Love to be the guy who can work all day and all night and, and then just be great and get up and get after it the next day. I got to the end of my sufficiency after we built the building on the corner of Chapman and Schaefer Street. Our congregation hadn't really built a building in almost a generation. We went through all the work in the city, which took forever. Former Mayor Jim Beam went through and helped us out. We knew the people on the planning commission. We took care of business. We had it all going. Finally, we, we had the building that was formerly on the corner dropped into our laps, and I thought, great is God's faithfulness. We're going to make this happen, and it ain't going to be too hard. I was about 36 years old, still young and dumb. At one point, the largest pledge that had been made to that project of $800,000, the gentleman called me in those days because that was pre-email, and he said, there's no way I can keep that commitment. So I've given you $100,000, and that's all I can do. You're going to be short seven hundred grand." I thought, wow, okay. We still have the preschool to build, and if we don't build the preschool, we'll never make it. We're never going to get all the modulars and all the people and all these things taken care of. It's going to be a mess, and it's going to be my fault. And they're going to look, and they're going to say, see, I told you. I told you the young guy couldn't do it. I told you, I told you, I told you. But we muddled through, and we made it. We built the preschool. We had a congregational meeting in here, and we said, we will okay $600,000 more of debt to build that preschool because that ministry needs to happen. And it was a unanimous vote. I remember that as sure as you're sitting here 
this morning. But I was done. I was cooked. There wasn't a lot of zip left in old Pastor Tim. And as it works for me like that, my preaching falls flat, my Bible study falls flat, I get drained being in relationships where people say, hey, I'd like to take you for lunch and just encourage you. And they encourage you for 10 seconds, and then they tell you either what's wrong or what they need for the next hour and a half. (laughs) And when I lose the energy for that, at the end, at the end, you don't realize it at the beginning, you realize it at the end. When you look back and you say, I'm out of steam. So I went to my key leaders at the time, the elders and the trustees, and I said, I got to get out of here. I I need some time or I'm going to either kill somebody or break something or it's going to be a mess. And they said, whatever you want to do, we'll pay you go. It'll be fine. And I remember walking in to a banquet room at a hotel in St. Louis, and it was dark and cold and quiet, and a soothing English voice of Jill Briscoe came through and spoke these words of Lamentations 3 right to my heart. I remember having the first inklings of my heart being refilled and renewed after about three years of being drained. She called our group that met for three days in a small group, maybe fewer than a hundred, around Jeremiah and around the sufficiency of the Lord God. Those words from Lamentations 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. God is God enough. The one who created you and redeemed you and knows you better than yourselves knows that you are not sufficient in and of yourself, and He knows that He is sufficient for you. He did not create us to be individualistic and alone. He created us to be in community. He did not make us strong enough to bear up alone. He did not make us smart enough to live alone. He did not make us industrious enough or wealthy enough to all live separate little lives. As a matter of fact, The Lord God looked at Adam and He said, it's not good for a human being to be alone. Sometimes when we don't have enough, it feels like Jeremiah says, like we're being consumed and eaten up and worn out. But it's then that God is doing His best work. It's then in that tiredness and that exhaustion at the end of our rope that we look up and we see the Word and the promise of God. God is God enough. God is God enough enough. God is sufficient in His presence in our lives for you and me. And so we're going to spend some time reading through Jeremiah. We're going to think a little bit about how those people looked and how it looks in our life and in our time right now. And we're going to push to see something bigger and grander than just how we can be better people. We're going to hitch our wagon to the Word and promise of God. 
and be reminded that despite how things look, God has not left or abandoned His people. Rather, God in Jeremiah's time and in our time is driving for more. God is working in history. God is working in the life of your family. God has a plan. And He puts His plan in your heart. God's plan to Jeremiah sounded like this from Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Those were the words that God gave to Jeremiah to speak to the people. Jeremiah knew and prophesied that God was God enough for Israel, for all humanity, and God was driving to keep His promise of a Messiah, and that all humanity would know God, would know His love, would know His grace, would know His forgiveness. And when that little baby was born in Bethlehem, and when Joseph named him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins, it's then that the sufficiency of God was revealed in a baby. God is God enough. God is sufficient. God is enough for the United States of America. And you may not hear that a lot, but you'll hear it here week by week. God is God enough for the United States of America. God is God enough for where your family is and what's going on in your life right now. And God is God enough not just for the what's of our lives, but for the who's. God is God enough for you, for your hurts, for your habits, for your hang-ups. God is God enough in your tired season. God enough in your broken places. God enough to give you His energy when yours is gone. His mercies are new every morning. When I was a kid in college, I could sleep till noon. One of the things I had to give up was in in St. Paul where I went to school was wrestling came on at 8. And you could watch AWA and you could watch National, right? You could watch all the wrestling. And there was a wrestling school in St. Paul run by Vern Gagne. Google it. It's hilarious. One of the things I had to give up when I got married was watching professional wrestling. You may not know that, but now, now you do. But I could sleep till noon. You felt good. You'd roll out. You'd go to the, the, the cafeteria and have a little bit of cafeteria food, and it was great. And now if I sleep past 6 o'clock, it feels like I'm burning daylight, and I've wasted the best part of the day. I don't sleep much past 6. I like the relative quiet in the morning. I like the cool of the morning, especially over the last week and the fresh air that comes in before the sun comes up. I like my coffee, or as my friends say, you enjoy your creamer with a little bit of coffee in it. I enjoy my wife chatting with me and us organizing and putting our days together. God visits me 
with mercies in the morning. He reminds me and all of us that this day is a gift to us. That's merciful. He reminds us that we are not alone this day, that even in the quiet, maybe in solitary time, that He is with us. He is with us, and those promises are renewed morning by morning, day by day. He reminds us also that sometimes it's good to wait for the Lord to experience His mercy on His timeline and in His way, rather than head down, driving forward through the brick wall that may be before us in our lives. This series is not born out of my strength my sufficiency. As I wrote and put together this series with the help of an outstanding book called Faith Enough to Finish, and as we wrote the devotions and put together the videos, they're done to encourage your spirit, to encourage your heart. They're, they're, they're not born out of the, the best of times. They're, they're not born out of saying everything's great in my life and it should all be great in yours. Rather, this is a study and a series built on the margins of life, at the end of the rope, maybe even holding on to this side, wondering where the next handle is going to be. But for me, with all my heart, I'm hoping for you that in these weeks and throughout your life of studies and groups and prayers and devotion, that you will find at the end of your rope and in the context of your life, the sufficiency of the love of Jesus for you. He is enough. God is God enough for the what's of life. But even more importantly, God is God enough for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.